Hey everyone, I hope all is well and nothing has dramatically changed here in the course of anyone's lives. Uh, and I hope that you all are super excited for this next episode of the podcast like I am. Uh, this was an episode I really wanted to do for a long time and a question I honestly really wanted to talk about. The question for this week is going to be, what's it like to be a member of the sports media? To help it. And yes, for all you sports haters out there, this one is about sports, but it's also a lot about journalism, so stick around. Even if you're not into sports, I always got something in there for everyone, so definitely check this one out. Today, I'm talking with one of the major voices from 49er Twitter, also one of the more controversial voices from 49ers Twitter and 49er Media in general, Grant Cohn. Grant has been covering the 49ers since 2011 and really all Bay Area sports. He's covered teams like the Warriors and the Giants as well, but now is primarily focused on covering the 49ers for Sports Illustrated. I'll link his Twitter and YouTube channel down below, so please feel free to go check out some of his content. He does a really great job and it's a really in-depth look at what uh, the 49ers, um, a, a really in-depth look at the 49ers and their future as well as their past. Uh, we also talk a little bit about Bay Area stuff in the beginning, so it might get a little regional, but we hop right into the topic and we talk about everything related to what it's like to cover professional athletes, different teams, different players he's covered, as well as what makes sports journalism so interesting and, and all sorts of sports journalism stories that Grant has had throughout his 10 year career so far. Grant was an absolutely amazing guest to have on, and for any aspiring journalist or for anyone who really loves sports in general, this is the episode for you. This conversation is super interesting, and Grant was very open and transparent with his answers, so sit back and enjoy this one. It's a great listen. Cue it up. Coming to you live from my parents' house, we got episode nine of the Essential Question podcast with probably one of the most controversial faces on Niner Twitter, Grant Cohn. What's up, Grant? What's up, man? Good to see you. Get a, good to get a little look at your parents' house. It looks really nice. I like the setup you got. Yeah, thank Better you. Better setup than I have. I like it, man. Good to be on ah, the show. Your setup's nice. You got the whole Sports Illustrated background, flexing, you know, name brand. You know, all I have is a flex. You actually have taste and, and personality, which is yeah. better. So good oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the essential question for today is going to be, what is it like to be a member of sports media? And I'm sure Grant can help answer that question just based on everything that he's done. Uh, but Grant, before we start, I got to ask you one question, man. Shoot. Why are you always dogging on the South Bay? You're so mean to South Bay, Grant. Where do you Come live? On. Where do you live? Me? I live near Cupertino, man. You like it? I love it. I love the South Bay. Why are you That's so cool. mean to us? <laughs> uh, I take it back. I'm just a jerk. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> so I'm from Oakland and I just rep my turf and I would do the same if I were from San Jose. I just don't really spend much time down there. I got nothing against it. If you're from San Jose, I'm sorry. Don't beat me up. No, it's, it's, it's all no you're right. I, I, I should give it. It's, you know, the problem is that I spend all my time in Santa Clara, which is a very specific, tiny little town. And yeah. it's kind of a nothing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, San Jose probably has much more to offer. San, I mean, San Jose is fun at night. You can do stuff. Santa Clara is like two strip malls. Yeah, I personally a, like Santa Clara. I personally, I like that whole suburban vibe, you know? Oh, yeah? You <laughs> like that Chick-fil-A? You like that Five Guys? 
Yeah, that Intel Museum, you know what's up. <laughs> it kind of remi- like the South Bay kind of reminds me of where my wife is from, like the Inland Empire down by Riverside. Yeah. Like it has every single chain imaginable. Yeah, I went cool. to school down in the Inland Empire, so I know. Where'd you go? Up. I went to Redlands. Oh, nice, nice. She's from Paris, which is a little bit south of there. Okay. Like, a little bit south. Okay. Anyway, yeah, is, is there carryover between the South Bay and the Inland Empire? Is there some similarities? Or I, You know, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I went to school in Redlands, and, like, the downtown of Redlands kind of reminds me of, like, the downtowns around here with, like, Mountain View and Palo yeah. Alto and stuff like that. Yeah, I can but see it's it. way hotter over over. Yeah, Redlands. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but let me uh, – there's probably a few people who are listening to this right now and just have no clue who you are. So give, <laughs> like, give them, like, the two-sentence summary of, like, who you are. Who's Grant Cohn? Uh, I've covered the 49ers. Been covering them since 2010. That's that's me. <laughs> you covered other teams too. Yeah, I've covered the. I, yes, I've covered the Warriors and the yeah. Giants. And I used to be general. And recent last year, I got uh, hired by partnered up with Sports Illustrated, and now I'm exclusively the Niners for now. Okay, nice, nice. So I, I was just gonna say like how I first saw you. I think this was back like. 2017 2018 when you were doing like the periscopes on like the 480p quality yeah and and me and my brother my brother was actually the first one to uh, see you and he's like come get a load of this guy and i was like wait what what's going on and i remember the first you were the one of the only people that was doing like training camp like recaps yeah and so he was showing me like the first video and it was like and you were just like Every player on the Niners trash. They're trash. They're pathetic. They suck. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's like, and you were just like so high energy and just like, out of his mind. Yeah. I was like, what is wrong with this guy? And then like, I started watching more and more videos of you and I was like, you know what? Like, he's kind of cool. And then, <laughs> you know, and then like, I, I think like, it's kind of cool. Cause I've seen you like when you were kind of more small time and now like yeah. you're this huge face on Niner Twitter and everyone's like great code great code <laughs> like he controls the 40 dollar narrative and I'm like wow like, this, is, <laughs> this is so cool um but yeah that's pretty um, funny and I just want to ask you a couple like fluff questions before we get into like the real stuff Bay or LA because I know when you went to school down at UCLA so which one do you like better Bay Area or LA uh, the Bay. Um, although I really do love LA and I would live there if I had the opportunity. The weather's fantastic. There's a lot of, there's a lot, it's like more to do in LA. Like it's, it's spread out, but it has everything like New York does, which is cool. Um, the only thing is that I really appreciate about the Bay is there's this whole food scene in the Bay that LA doesn't True. have. Like New Orleans has one and New York has one, the Bay has one. And I expected there to be that in LA, but there really isn't. Like in LA, like they'll just put avocado on everything and call it nice like nah that yes that was not gonna fly in san francisco there are nice restaurants in it not that i'm a snob but i like in oakland like for example there's every neighborhood has a million different restaurants that are totally unique and have reasonable prices and it's a lot of fun so i'm more of a bay guy but probably just because i'm from yeah i mean i think i look for reasons to be a bay guy yeah, I think, like, the Bay Area is just, like, everyone's so, like, prideful. I feel like in yes. L.A., like, you, like, go on Instagram, you follow, like, any of the Bay Area meme pages, everyone is just, like, posting about how great the Bay is. Like, I've never seen people really be, like, prideful about being from L.A. Like Most of the people in L.A., like, transplanted there. You know, exactly. they came with a dream. Yeah. You know, people from the Bay are very smaller place. We're very proud. It's, like, homegrown type thing. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And – I know you're a big Bay Area rap guy. What's your favorite <laughs> Bay Area rap song all time? My favorite Bay Area rap song all time. Oh, man. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why I can't. That's a tough one. 
Okay, but, what about right now? Like, what are you feeling like uh, right now? Recently, recently, what have you been feeling? Um, I found this rapper from San Francisco named Stack Doe, who has like 40 subscribers on YouTube and like 800 views on his latest video, but it's tight. It's called Chicken. I've been listening to that. I've probably listened to that song about seven times today. But my favorite Bay Area song of all time, I don't know. I really love the song The Ghetto by Too Short. I don't know. It's just a personal fave. It's got that beautiful uh, uh, live instrument beat and that wonderful uh, hook where they say, anyway, it's just really a good song. Well, for those of you that don't know Bay Area rap, and that's a lot of you in the South Bay, go check that out. So. Yeah, and go check out Stack Doe too. Let's get his uh, let's get his viewership. Hilo followed me on Twitter last night. I don't know if you know what. Is. Yeah, I know. Yes. Pilo, same squad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he he uh, I just followed him on Twitter a couple of days ago. He like tweets a lot about Bay Area sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's funny. He was clowning on Derek Carr the other day. Anyway, <laughs> so I just tweeted like, hey, in a couple of years, the lead columnists of the Athletic are going to be East Bay Chris and Hilo. Yeah. And Pilo immediately wrote back like the the Kermit the Frog meme. And followed me, so. <laughs> Hopefully I can get him on the YouTube show eventually too. That's gonna be awesome. You should yeah, get him on the absolutely. cone zone with your dad. I think I'm just trying to get like only rappers. Like I'll get Lil B, Pilo, E40, and Too Short in a roundtable setting and have them talk about Kyle Shanahan. I think it'd be pretty. The good. summit. <laughs> yeah, the summit. <laughs> I like it. I yeah. like it. So like, why do you pick journalism? Like, what what makes you interested in journalism? Like, what? Why was that the field that you chose? Because I grew up around it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like the very particular type of journalism I grew up around. My dad was an opinion writer. So he wasn't like breaking stories, gathering information. He was just like, you know, shooting from the hip and philosophizing, all that kind of stuff. Basically entertaining people, pissing people off, being a personality. <laughs> and I grew up around, I was like, this is the most outrageous job in the world. My dad has so much fun. I kind of want to do the same thing. Right. So when I went to school, I just kind of felt that I was going to go in. I always felt like I could do what he did. Maybe I was, maybe I just think too much of myself, but I was like, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> so I went to UCLA and I became an English major because he was an English major and I wanted to learn how to write. But I quickly learned that there is no way I could ever write like my dad. Like my dad can really, really write. And I, what I've learned like 10 years in the game is I kind of had to find my own medium to be myself. You too. I think it started with the Periscope stuff. Yeah. Once I just started talking to myself for like 45 55 minutes I just it got weird and people seem to like it so I feel like that's kind of where I'm where I'm making my money these days yeah where I made yeah. my foothold yep no for sure I mean like the YouTube like videos have just like I mean your popularity has skyrocketed since like those videos have like taken off like the Jimmy Garoppolo imitations <laughs> the you know the skits that you do like everyone like all my friends like because i grew up around a bunch of niner fans like who are all my friends and they like send me videos of you and they're like this guy's so rude like he's just (laughs) so like mean to all the players like this is just like and then i have my friends who are like grant cone stands they're like we love him like everything he says is like gold like i love this guy well i appreciate the stands and i appreciate the people who think i'm rude because i am rude (laughs) and i think rudeness is underrated like everyone's really nice in california but my dad's from brooklyn and if you've ever spent a weekend in new york everyone's really rude to each other but it's not personal and mm-hmm. you just kind of take it in stride and i feel like californians should yeah. you know learn that it's not personal man. It's, it's just a little bit more fun to be direct and say how you feel no for sure for sure so why sports like i mean i know you were talking about how like your dad was a sports columnist but like what intrigues you like 
you're t- mm, the type of guy I could question. like you're the type of guy that I could see on like CNN and just like talking crap about politics or like other things why why sports that's a great question um the way here's the way I look at it like sports is low stakes politics is high stakes you know if you have an opinion about anything in politics and you're wrong it's like how do you live with yourself you know what I mean like kind of that kind of stuff like if you somehow contributed to that like raid on the Capitol mm-hmm. because you said, you know, that the, it, that the, the thing was a hoax or in any way, how do you live with yourself? Someone died. I always feel like if I say the Niners should get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and they do, and he goes back to the Patriots and wins the Super Bowl, like, Oh, well, you know, that's, that's your mistake. Yeah. Like I can live <laughs> with being wrong as a sports writer. I can just live with it. But all that other stuff is very serious and high stakes. I think I like the trivial, the trivialness of sports. Um, also, as opposed to writing about music, which I love, or anything else, I feel like there's no point in writing about music. The music is the art, you know, but f- sports is not, necess- not necessarily an art in and of itself. It's raw material, and you can turn it into an art in, in, in your perception of it, your, your essay, your video. So I feel like there's much more of an opportunity to express yourself and make it about you than if you're writing about a movie or music because the definitive piece of art from there is the movie the song you know what i'm saying yeah no i agree with you i mean you're like basically like what's cool about sports is that every single question that all like fundamental questions that fans have about sports everything can be debated right yes it's it's not just there is a fact and you have to go with that fact it's this is like, is Jimmy Garoppolo the starting quarterback of the 49ers next year? I don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> there's like a, there's yeah. like 90 million different opinions, right? There's like people. And there's like, a never ending conversation about it until exactly. something happens. And I love that conversation. And basically yeah. what I figured out when I went to college was that when it was time to study, what was I more interested in? My classes or 49ers web zone forums? Like I was just stuck in these forums and it was like, I want to get more information on the Niners. I want to read more. I want to learn. But I didn't, there, wasn't, there weren't enough sources out there. So you go to these forums, mm-hmm. which this is before Twitter. This is like 2006. Right. Way back in the day when there wasn't social media and you're looking for like the conversation. You know, you yeah. had to go to these yeah. websites. And then you do the, I mean, there are people interacting and, and you'd read them. And then finally, like, okay, well, they're not talking about what I, what I want them to talk about. So now I have to get in. And I would spend like all day when I was supposed to be studying for finals, just like arguing on 49ers web zone. And so you like the OG Twitter troll. Kind of. Yeah, I was doing yeah. it. I've been, I've been doing this, man. I've been doing this. If you were on Golden State of Mine or uh, WarriorsWorld.net in 2007, you know me and you don't like me because I was a real jerk when I was 19. And I wouldn't let that stuff go. I would yeah. not let it go. Anyway, so I figured like, man, my, my this is what I want to do. I'm spending all my time on this. And I seem to be good at like, starting and maintaining and driving a conversation online. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that there was like a, you know, a career in that in 2007. It just seemed like a waste of time. But now yeah. I do it for a living. Yeah. I mean, like, I was, uh, the next question I was going to ask you, because like the first two like kind of follow up each other. The, the next question I was going to ask you is like, there are 31 other NFL teams out there, right? From, you know, in the state of California, on the East Coast, in the South. Why the Niners? Like, what intrigues you about them? Well, first of all, I grew up in the Bay. I'm from Oakland, but I was born in 1988. When they won their first Super Bowl, the Raiders were in L.A. Still, so this was the home team. I met Steve Young when I was seven. I mean, I was in love with the 49ers. 
I gave up being a fan, but this is the team I started. I mean, I got, I started covering, I started my journalism career covering this team in 2011. So it's the team I know the best. Uh, it's the, it's the fan base that knows me the best. So if I write something about the Niners, a lot of people read it. If I were to write something about the Cowboys tomorrow, they would be like, I don't know who the hell that guy is. Maybe yeah. someday that'll be different. But right now, like the people who know me are Niners fans, period. End of story. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with like that. Like the other day, yeah. I started talking crap about James Wiseman on Twitter. Yes, half I was going to ask half, And half for fun. And like Warrior fans are like, who is this guy? And like, get out of here, man. Stick to yeah. the Niners. I noticed like most of the comments underneath there were like, Grant, stick to football. Go That's away. so funny. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm going to upset this fan base. Yeah. Too, so. My brother literally sent me a tweet like the second after you said to it. It was like, James Wiseman is not ready to contribute to a contender. He was like, get your mans out of here. Like, <laughs> Here's the thing. What I do, like when I find a nerd, in, in Bay Area sports, I'll just hammer it forever. And now that I see that Warrior fans are really sensitive about Wiseman, I won't let up. It's nothing personal against Wiseman. Mm-hmm. He's a 19-year-old kid, but Warrior fans are way too sensitive, so I just got to keep going at it. <laughs> and my point ultimately about Wiseman isn't that he's not going to be good or whatever. It's just that this is Curry's team. They're supposed to be winning now. And to me, he's on a development track that he'll be making. Maybe when he's 22, he'll be a dominant starting center. And mm-hmm. I just felt like, anyway, we don't need to talk about the Warriors. Yeah. All I'm saying is it's not about, it's not personal about him. Yeah. I love James Wiseman. I hope he has a great career. I'm just, it's personal between Warrior fans and me now. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of an interesting question is like, what do you consider like your title to be? Like, are you a beat writer? Are you a columnist? Are you neither? Like, what, what do you call yourself? Like, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good one. A multimedia journalist. That's a good one. A multimedia. That's a flex it's on a LinkedIn. Mouthful. It's a mouthful. Yeah. I don't know. A journalist? A journalist? Analyst? Yeah. An entertainer? I have no yeah. idea. I'm not, I wouldn't give myself the inter- I wouldn't give myself that much credit. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't give myself, but I don't know. I a guy with a YouTube channel. <laughs> I don't know. I guess technically I'm a beat writer. I guess yeah. I technically I'm a beat writer. I don't know. Yeah. A journalist, a sports journalist. I don't that's, I mean, that's fair, right? Because, to, I mean, to say a multimedia journalist, to be a sports journalist in 2021 implies multimedia almost. I don't think you need to say that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're just writing in a newspaper or in print, like, you're kind of stuck in 2009. You got to be everywhere, don't you? I agree. You got to yeah. be in, in your parents' house, in the corner with a nice backdrop. <laughs> got to, you got to have, look at that, look at that, look at that mic you got. Are you kidding with the yeah. spit guard? You're set up, baby. <laughs> I like that. I'm hey, trying. Did you see that little 20 second clip yesterday that was going around Twitter of the the po- the, the podcast conversation about? Yeah, that it was like um, uh, I was so just like, good. And the guys keep like <laughs> the microcosm between the intersectionality. <laughs> I try to be like the anti of that, you know, just like yes. kind of in your face. Very. You like, want to have as much content per second as possible. You yeah. want to be like the people on FM radio who are f- trying to fill three hours. Exactly. Exactly. Like I said, like I said, <laughs> L- let me repeat that point. Yeah. As I said. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay. So do, this is an interesting question that I thought of yesterday. I was like, do athletes like ever scare you? Like I know for fans, like <laughs> when I first saw Jimmy, cause I went to training camp last year and I first saw him, like I was kind of starstruck for a second. I was like, Whoa, like this guy's good looking. Whoa, it's Jimmy. Too. I was like, wow, it's Jimmy. Like, and he signed my shirt and he was like looking at me and I was like, Whoa, like he handed me the Sharpie. Like I was, I was shocked. How do you like not have that as a journalist? Is it cause you're like when you first started, did you have that? Yes, absolutely. I had it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. Like, 
in 2008, I was 20 and I'd started doing a blog with my dad and I was trying to get into journalism. I was still in school and it was the summer. I was still a huge warrior fan. I was still a kid. And my dad was uh, gonna, oh, Monte Ellis had just gotten this huge contract. It was like a month before he tore his ankle apart in that moped accident, if you remember mm-hmm. that. But yeah. at this point he was the man. He had been playing well, he was like 24 and he just got cashed out with like a $25 million contract or whatever it was. So he was gonna have a press conference at um, the Warriors practice facility. And I was in town, I was not at school. And my dad said, you wanna come? And I said, absolutely. So the Warriors are so nice. Their PR director is this guy named Raymond Ritter who has been letting me come to their stuff since I was a little kid. And he was like, hey, Grant, if you want to ask a question, stand right there, ask a question. I was like, oh my God. i too scared. <laughs> me too. So I just stood there and I didn't ask a question. And I just, I blew it. Like the whole thing ended. And they came up to me and Raymond was like, what happened? What happened? I was like, I, I froze. So that was 2008. 2010, I graduated from UCLA. I had an internship with KTVU you know, Marky Banez, uh, mm-hmm. Joe Fonzie. Yeah. It's like the, the most legit uh, TV station in the Bay. I, I grew up watching them. So I had an internship and I was uh, at the big game in 2010. It was Andrew Luck against Cal. It was the game that Andrew Luck trucked that dude in the second. I don't know if you remember that, but he was yeah. legendary. Killed him. And after the game, you run on the field with the cameraman and try to get an interview. And I was 22. And I, I got Andrew Luck first. I, I got him. He was like, you know, it's like this is a squad 40 yard dash. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, you know, like the players are saying hello to each other and like the fans run on the field. It's, it's crazy, but he's big. He's like six, four. You can see him. I went over there and I felt so enterprising and I went there with the, with the camera man. But I felt, I didn't realize that once I got him, like I had to do the interview, you know, <laughs> it was just me and the cameraman and the cameraman, you know, was behind the camera. Like, All right, man, go for it. So I, I had a one-on-one with Andrew Luck. And I said, Andrew, how does it feel to beat Cal? <laughs> he goes, great, man, great. Always feels great to, to beat Cal. And he stands there waiting for the next, it was like after the game, like on, uh, you know, CBS, like after the yeah. national championship. Like that Richard Sherman interview. Right? Yeah, just like me that. and yeah. him, me and him. And so I, that was my first question was, how does it feel to beat Cal? And he says, great, always feels great to beat Cal. And I go, well, thanks a lot, Andrew. <laughs> and he's like looking at me like, really that okay and then he just walks on and then uh, he just gets pounced on by a thousand media people but i was terrible man and then i just for somehow i got a a, a press pass and i you're around athletes enough you realize that (laughs) if you're around athletes enough you feel i don't know what the word is but you stop being starstruck and you start looking at the looking at them the way they look at you Mm -hmm. like they look at you like, do I have to be in the same room as you? Yeah. You know, I'm famous and rich. You're not. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. answer your questions. I don't want to be in the same room as you. So when you see someone look at you like that consistently day after day, you're like, well, I just, I'm not rooting for you anymore because you're not rooting for me. It's just business now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. Like how you look at athletes is just kind of like, you guys both are like business partners in a way, right? It's like, you know, I don't really yes. want to be here, but I got to talk to you. And then you yes. have a mutual understanding that's like, they don't want to be here, but it's my job to cover you. So I got yeah, like I don't want to be here waiting for you, interviewing you while you're naked, man. Like this is uncomfortable right. for both of us. Can we just <laughs> do this quickly and get it over with? Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm no. on deadline. You want to go home. Let's get it over with. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just going to ask, like when you first started covering the Niners in 
2011, like you were saying, did athletes and coaches like ever just completely disrespect you? Cause you were like 23. Like they were just like, who's this fool? Like, pretty go much, away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I can, I remember specific stories. Um, maybe not, but <laughs> there was one time. No, there was, there was one time. Okay. There was one time I was a freelancer before I started covering the Niners. I was writing an article once a week for CSN Bay Area, which is now NBC. Yeah. And they, they just gave me this column. They're like, write about whatever you write, whatever opinion you want, cover any team you want. You could just get to write once a week and you get like a hundred bucks an article, which is nice coming out of college. <laughs> so I went to a warrior game and it was like back when Keith Smart was the head coach. And I didn't understand basketball. I was like the dark that. ages kind yeah. of, right? Yeah. I didn't even understand rotations, man. <laughs> like, so he's, they lose a game and, and like, it's, it's the fourth quarter and they're losing and Monte Ellis isn't in. And it's like, Nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, not it. Eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, not it. Because, you know, like, they saved their stars for the end. But I didn't really get that. So, at the end, they lose the game. And at the end, I, like, raise my hand to get the, to get <laughs> yeah. the, get the mic. And I'm like, yeah, Keith, um, Monte Ellis was on the bench until six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Why was that? And he looks at me and he goes, because that's what I wanted to do. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. And if I was a, bit, a little bit older, I'd be like, that's not a, that's not a legit answer, coach. Like, you got to explain that. But honestly, it was, wasn't really a legit question. So uh, that was pretty funny. Keith Smart was like, so that's what I wanted to do. The next day, I think my dad ended up going to their practice and Keith Smart came over to him and was like, hey, I like your son. Yeah, I like your son. He's precocious. He asked good questions. Good. But yeah, you don't like him. Hey, that's, I mean, I think you caused a soundbite for every radio station in the Bay Area, you know, like, if you just said yeah. that that emphatically, like, yeah, it's all over. Do. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Um, but like my, this is a question like me and like a couple of my friends and like my brother have talked about. It's just like, if Grant is like not a fan of the team, how does he like get his passion to just scream about them for days? Like, I feel like to be passionate about the Niners, don't you have to like really be invested in some aspect of it? Mm, I do feel invested in the Niners because I've, followed them my whole life you know I mean it's, it's it's I used to be a fan I've followed them my whole life I I know their history as well as I know any any history so it means something to me I want them to be good when they're bad I don't take it personally I don't it doesn't ruin my day in fact I find ways to really enjoy it but I want them to be good I try to help them I made myself honorary quality control I give them everything I've got they don't they take something they pick and choose what they listen to um but honestly I think if I like got hired by the New York Post tomorrow and they say, you know, cover Robert Sala and the Jets the way you covered the Niners. I wouldn't know the Jets history as well, but I could give the same amount of passion and attention to detail uh, that I do for the Niners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. For sure. I mean, I mean, because you've just been like surrounded by it your whole life, I guess. And you're just... Yeah, I mean, my dad covered it. My dad wrote a book on Bill. Wall. I feel it's like it's almost like I'm almost part of the fabric of the history of the franchise, mm-hmm. not to be... But I feel like I, you know, my a little bit. I think like now I you are absolutely. I think yeah, now, like, yeah, now you are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think now that you've like kind of created your own niche for yourself, like within the franchise, right? Like I legit, like I, I do think they listen to you, like especially at the quality control meetings. Like you would literally call out a play. You'd be like, hand the ball off to use check. Literally the game after, they hand the ball off to use check like two times. I'm like, dude, they're listening. Really? Yeah, I say something yeah. like, if you guys are like forgetting about your highly paid fullback who's terrific give him more touches boom yeah. Say, oh yeah grant's right like 
is there no one in the organization reminding Kyle? Come on, this is some great. this is some basics. This is yeah. some obvious stuff. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan actually went to my high school. So no way, what high school is that? Yeah, Saratoga. Saratoga, cool, yeah. cool. So nice. he went there, and actually during the summer, um, like Jimmy and jo- and Kittle and McKinnon, your favorite, Jet McKinnon, they all oh. they were all practicing like on our uh, on the high school field, and like oh, my oh that's tight. Like, come through, come through, and I was like, nah, I've already seen them in training camp. It's all good. Saratoga is that in Mountain View? No, so it's it, it's like right near Cupertino, so it's like oh, okay. right at the edge. And okay. so yeah, are there like pictures of Kyle Shanahan or is so? He, what he I've heard, it's a lot of it is stories. So a lot of okay. it is like everyone was like, oh, Shanny was the quarterback of the JV team when he was a sophomore, and Mike won the Super Bowl, and then they left Colorado before Kyle was ah. going to take over the team. Got it, got it, got it. I was so sad. I was like, I want to see Shanny take over the team. I see. Win us the championship. But- yeah. He was the quarterback, huh? He was a quarterback. I'm telling you, when you kept what saying that college court, like he wanted to be a quarterback, like he was a quarterback in high school. So maybe, maybe he could be the quarterback of the Niners this year. Maybe. maybe. Why not? It's cheap maybe solution, they, right? He knows the offense. Yeah. Only one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just going to ask you like next is just like, how do you balance like the sports world is always moving, right? Like an Adam Schefter report could drop at 3 AM and it would get 4.5 million likes, but like, how do you balance, like, that with, like, your regular life? Because, like, you have to also, like, live your life, but also sports is just moving on whether you're there or not. Work-life balance? I haven't figured it out. I haven't had an off day since April. I haven't taken a day off since I took this job with Sports Illustrated. I've published an article every day, more like three. I publish about 17 videos a day on YouTube. Um, it's a little over the top but i guess i kind of like the grind it keeps me productive uh it keeps me i don't know happy and i guess what i try to do is get all my work done before my wife comes home and uh that way i get to spend as much time with her as possible and sneak some tweets in because you got to tweet you got to keep some you're always tweeting (laughs) you got to sneak some tweets in there and then when she starts saying like would you please put your phone down like all right i'm done i'm done I proved my point on Twitter. Basically, that's it. But then you got to try to like, you got to try to find some days to take a drive or see some friends or some family. And I haven't yeah. figured it all out yet. But I mean, I'm sure like your dad probably totally understands if he's, if you're like, yo, I got to like, you know, I got to text. He's like, okay, just go. <laughs> it's true. It is kind of like being on call, like almost like you're, uh, you know, a doctor who delivers babies. Yeah. Like I got to go. Ruben Foster just had another DUI. I gotta go. That happened to me on my 30th birthday. I was walking in to the bar that I invited all my friends to go to Mm -hmm. all waiting. There were like 15 people. And I get a call from one of my other friends who lives out of town. And I answered the phone. I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, what do you mean? What's up? What do you think about what happened to Ruben Foster? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, Oh dude, you got to go write an article. (laughs) I was like, Hey guys, everyone, thanks for coming. I'll be back in an hour. Like my friend was like, what if the Deshaun Watson news breaks from Grant's on your podcast and he just dips? <laughs> I'd have to dip. That's the yeah. end of story. I'd have to go. No, I, I, I totally yeah, get I would. that. That's it's like, because that happened, like I was watching Pat McAfee show the other day and Ian Rappaport was on. And I think like one of the, co- I think Gase got fired or something. And he like got a text and he's like, I got to go. <laughs> it just like ended. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, he should have broke that story. Right. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so I was, I was like, wow, like that would be crazy. That'd right? be tough to be uh, a guy like Rappaport or Schefter who you're not reacting to the news, you're chasing it. So how do right. you ever really turn it off and go right. to sleep? Like, Hey, I'm going to this barbecue. Like 
No, shouldn't you call up like four teams or eight agents or something? Like, yeah. isn't there someone you need to call, right? It's tough. Yeah. You're competing with Rappaport. If you don't For call, sure. he's going to. No, because, yeah. I mean, and like, even with you, it's just like, I feel like you do so much because you, you're constantly writing. And then you also have like a show every single day, whether it be like Roundtable or with yeah. Fish or with Botan or just like, you have different stuff going on every single day. It's just like, I'm like, how does he get the time to just like, relax for a second <laughs> well i mean it's right now it's 350 i'll I, i'm picking my wife up from work at five i'll probably have a little spillover work to do about till about six but then hopefully from like 6 30 to 9 30 i can have some three hours of quality time although i gotta you know cook dinner do the dishes it's tough man we're grinding out here we're trying to make it yeah you know it's kind of nice living in your parents house now that i think about it <laughs> I lived with my parents until I was 27, 27, yeah. Yeah. 27. It's, it's not, it's not as bad as people make it out to be, but no, it's not really. Yeah. It's very generous of them to let, to let you get For your sure. feet underneath you. Cause it's hard. For sure. Cause if you can't, you got to make some really tough life decisions that maybe take you away from your dreams or whatever. Most definitely. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, my next question was going to be like, have you ever had like a really regrettable interaction with a player? on Twitter or like in person, even with an athlete, like you're like, gosh, I should not have done that. Oh man. <sighs> Regrettable, I guess. Nothing's popping up in my mind right now, man. It's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had that infamous thing with Anthony Davis where we, like tweeted mean things to each other. We made up, we made up with each other. And it was actually a way to get to know him. I don't necessarily 100% regret it, although it was, it was childish. Uh, I don't regret anything I've said about or tweeted to Eric Armstead or Dante Pettis. <laughs> I don't, I don't regret anything I've said or I tweeted I saw you retweeted to. all the Eric Armstead stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, where are you at now, man? Where are you at now? Say something now. I haven't heard from you recently, man. Do you still feel hilarious. the same way? Do you still want to talk about it? I don't know. Yeah. Um, let me let me think about it and get back to you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Let me think about it and get back to you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Warriors basketball because I know you you did cover them like generally for a little bit and during the dynasty, right? Was that like during when you covered them, like during that? Yeah, dynasty? absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So like, what was that like to like cover a team that was just constantly having success like what was your general vibe on the team and i was like i couldn't stand it man it was like i was used to covering the the niners who were like bad like they had the little era where they were good but they're basically a bad team and i love like being able to tell the team what they're doing wrong and basically like act like an expert on the warriors when you came to that beat like the it, the attitude was way different. Everyone's like writing books about this franchise, like worshiping this franchise. It's like a whole different thing. Like it's like Steph Curry, they're royal, it was royalty. Mm -hmm. It was like chronicling royalty. And that's not what I'm used to. Like I, on, the, on the Niners, I don't spend my days uh, glorifying their players or their coaches. I mean, I, I try to keep it real, but the whole thing on the Warriors back then was like, glorification like Stephen Curry isn't just a great basketball player he's Jesus Christ incarnate you know and mm -hmm. Steve Kerr isn't just a good coach like he is the most brilliant man of all time like, and it was just to me it was a little over the top 
and I liked to be the kind of guy who would ask my kind of question, you know, like an actual question. Why'd you do this coach? It didn't work. But the problem with the Warriors is like they would lose one game every two weeks. So you'd wait for that opportunity to ask a question. They'd look at you like, dude, are you serious? We're going to win our next five games. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, oh, I, I can't. This isn't yeah. fun for me. I'm sorry. It's not fun for me. Like, I want to be your friend. I'm not yeah. rooting for you. It's just not that fun. No, I get that. I mean, like as a journalist, it's just like how much winning can I take? Like this is just like they just we know the result here. Honestly, <laughs> and then like you cover these games. Like what's the story tonight? Stephen Curry's good. The Warriors are good. Like it's the same story every night. Yeah. Stephen Curry's a two for you guys, man. Best shooter's ever been. Like I, I at least when there's a loss, it's like oh man, they lost in a new way. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes bet- if a team's really bad, yeah. it's boring too. But I bet like the finals was or like that 2019 season with the end of Kevin Durant was like semi interesting, right? Extremely. Yeah. And they're, they're like the playoffs were interesting when they would go up against Houston. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. Series were really. Thing. For sure. And up until Chris Paul hurt himself in that one, that first one, I thought Houston was going to pull it off. But those were bores. I, I was privileged. I felt privileged to watch the games and be in the arenas. Yeah. It's just like the the journalism experience was kind of made me laugh. You know, it's like, God, these guys are like really impressed. But be like being able to watch the games, I'll always remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like I, could I just like rapid fire a couple athletes and just like you tell me what like your impressions were of um, people on the Warriors like what sure. your interactions with them? Yeah. So Steph Curry, like what did you what have you thought of Steph Curry? Like I know the fans have an impression of him. Like what was your journalistic view on? Um, extremely professional, uh, patient. If he didn't like the question, he would answer it anyway with a good spirit. You could tell he was extremely polished and well raised. See, like his parents were terrific. Um, he's just, he's not necessarily like unguarded and unfiltered. It's, it's a little bit of like boilerplate stuff, but at the same time, he's very generous and he doesn't just give you like, he's not like Jimmy Garoppolo who gives you the blandest stuff and then smiles and nods like, Hey, that's all you're getting. Like he actually pulls up the sleeves a little bit. (laughs) He actually tries. Um, I really like, uh, he, he, he doesn't have like a, like a, he doesn't, he's not, a, he doesn't have an edge. He doesn't have a sense of humor. He's a, he's just a very mature uh, face of the franchise and he's terrific at it. I really like Stephen Curry. Really like him. He's the kind of guy that like, if your little cousin or little brother asked you about Stephen Curry, you could say like, no, he is the player you hope he is. You can definitely, great. you know, root for him. He's a great, he's a wholesome, good guy. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, the vibe that I got as a fan, but, like, I, I don't know. Like, I thought it would be, like – it's definitely, like, different, you know, when you see the person. In He's person. a role model, and, yeah. and he takes it seriously, and he lives up to it. Like, I, Draymond Green doesn't have to be a role model. Clay Thompson doesn't have to be a role yeah. model. Yeah. They're different. Stephen Curry is – is, and he, he's really good at it. He's not like, oh, Clay, like sure. Charles Barkley, who's like, you know, I ain't a role model. <laughs> no, he's, yeah. he's not a character like that. He's very mature. What do you think of Clay? Just, like – Clay's my favorite. I love Clay. Favorite? Clay, Clay, Clay's, Clay's a character, you know, Clay, sometimes he's in the mood to talk, sometimes he's not, but either way, he's hilarious. He's really bright and perceptive. Uh, he can be moody. I mean, in an interesting way, I really like Clay Thompson. He's extremely smart. He's extremely bright. If you ask him a question that he likes, he'll give you a great answer. Um, he's really cool. He, I always felt like he um, enjoyed the whole thing as much as anyone on the team. Like, mm-hmm. 
oh my goodness, I'm in the NBA and I get to have, I get to do exactly what I want to do with my life. This is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it's not a burden. Like some people I think might feel like being a professional athlete with the expectations and the money is tough. I never got that vibe from Clay. Like, oh, like I really, really got the most. It's like what we all would hope that we would act if we were just all right. of a sudden a 25 year old dude who's six, seven and could shoot like that. Like, mm-hmm. I hope I would enjoy it that much. No, for sure. Okay, yeah. this one's going to be a fun one because so many people have so many varying opinions. And every, every single person I ask, whether it be my friends, whatever, there's, they have varying opinions. Kevin Durant, what was it like? I don't really like Kevin Durant. <laughs> uh, he always acted like he was depressed or mad. It's like, what are you mad about? Like, everyone here is kissing your ass. Everyone here is calling you the greatest player of all time. No one's really putting you on the spot. Anytime he would get a question about his future, he would act like someone asked about his sex life. It's like, dude, like, why are you so unhappy, man? It could be so much worse. He would give this vibe like, you know, what do you want from me? Why are you asking me these questions? Like, dude, you're Kevin Durant. Do you really not understand why people are trying to ask you questions? Come on, man, don't play dumb. I didn't really appreciate him. And, you know, when he had that little fight, with Draymond Green, I was like, yeah, Draymond, tell him Draymond. That's right, Draymond. I was totally on Draymond's side. When Draymond called him a little bitch, I was like, yeah, little bitch. Yeah. Little bitch. For sure. What about Draymond? Let's let's go right I love Draymond. I love Draymond. Yeah. Um, when I was covering the team back when he was a bench player, like his second year or first year, Mm -hmm. whatever. Like right before the first playoff run. Yeah. Uh, he was a bench dude and he considered himself like the leader of the bench unit, which was kind of a novel concept. Can you lead from the bench? Well, he did. And um, I remember asking for a one-on-one with him to ask about his leadership style. He gave me 15, 20 minutes and he went all, all through it. I mean, he just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And I'm sure he's the same way now. I mean, he's yeah. probably have a hundred million dollars now and probably be tougher to get his time because everyone wants it. But he is, uh, he would talk. He likes to talk. He's, I mean, he didn't ask me about me, but he had interesting things to say. And I think like he'd be the kind of guy I'd love to do like a radio show with. He could do be like very unfiltered, kind of extremely, yeah, and extremely bright. And he says things where you're like, man, I've never thought of that before. Like, and I know that you've been thinking about this your whole life, and you're like really passionate. It's like you know, I I leave some people you have to yell at, some people you have to be calm and take them to the side and whisper to, and you have to know what kind. It's like, damn, dude, this dude is 23. This dude's amazing, (laughs) younger than me. So I really do like Draymond Green, and when he's awesome. Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to play against him. Yeah, Jeez, oh, no. I wouldn't want to get hit in the nuts. But <laughs> I, when he like, you know, says his stuff after, he's always really interesting in, in post-game press conferences. For sure. Extremely unfiltered. Yeah. I love Draymond. Yeah. What about Kerr? Like, what was Steve Kerr's vibe? <laughs> Steve Kerr is a very nice guy who used to be media. So he knows how to get media on his side and everyone covering that team is on his side, which is cool. Uh, But so he's nice and he's created this very, very buddy, buddy atmosphere where everyone's friends and he's friends with everyone, but you're not friends with Steve Kerr. He's a coach and you're a journalist and, and there's business to be done. And sometimes he loses and sometimes you have to question him. And the way I feel about Kerr is he really doesn't like being questioned or, you know, second guest. And, you know, no one does, but some people have uh, a grace about it. Not a grace, but I don't know what it is, like a, a capacity to deal with it. 
Kyle does. Mm-hmm. Kyle gets it all the time. And I'm sure he, Kyle Shanahan, I'm sure he feels yeah. like, who are these people questioning me? They don't know a fraction of what I know about football, but he takes a deep breath and answers their question and actually entertains whatever criticism he's taken. Curl mm-hmm. give you a look like, who the hell are you to talk to me? I'm a three-time champion. Who the hell are you to talk yeah. to? And it's like, dude, come on, Steve, like be a nice guy, you know, take For a sure. question. It's a fair question, dude. Just because you've won most of the time doesn't mean that you're flawless answer. So I feel like he's a little sensitive. Mm-hmm. A little sensitive. Interesting. That's an interesting observation. Cause like every time I hear anything about Kerr in the media, it's like, oh my gosh, Steve Kerr is the most honest guy. They go on and on. They're like, he's incredible. Everything he says is gold. It's uh-huh, like, but what kind of questions did you ask him? Yeah. Did that's you ask true. him like, did you challenge him? Because he doesn't mm-hmm. like to be challenged. Sure. And he might shut down. What he does is when you challenge him in a group question, he'll give you, he won't answer. He'll make you, he'll make you feel like it's a dumb question. He'll, he'll, quest, he'll, he'll challenge the premise and then his, he'll turn his face away. You're done. Uh, who wants a question now? Yeah. And someone just pops. It's like, okay, thanks, yeah. Steve. All right, great. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I didn't really feel, I didn't like yeah. that. I feel like football players have, mu- have it much tougher. You lose a game in the NFL, I don't care. Like you just lost one sixteenth of your schedule. We need to talk and we need to harp on it Sunday after the game, Monday the next day, Wednesday, Friday. Like you get it yeah. all week. These guys get it for like a day and they're like, it's one game. Like, okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I was going to ask you, like, compare – or no, hold on, wait. I, I went one down. Um, I was going to be like – I wanted to, like, kind of know because I know Super Bowl Media Week is incredible, and you've had the privilege to do it twice, right? The yes, 2013 twice. and 2020, 2020. Well, 2015. 20, oh, I wasn't so you, there. You didn't the, do the Baltimore? The, no, the, that yeah. time my mom had a hip replacement, and I stayed okay. home because she had surgery. My dad and I both stayed home. Okay. I covered the one in Santa Clara. Oh, so Panthers, the, Broncos, right? Panthers, Broncos. Okay. So tell me like what that experience is like, like how really chaotic is it? Like go through it. <laughs> okay. So let me, I'll, I'll just do it from last year in my, yeah. um, <laughs> okay. So my, I'm not, I wasn't a full-time employee at the PD. I was right. freelance. They wanted me to go. They told me to pay my way and they reimbursed me. So I don't, they're paying me like 2000 a month anyway. I didn't have the money. So I put it on a credit card, put everything on a credit card. Okay. <laughs> I fly myself to Miami. I get a, a special rate at an at a airport Marriott because I'm with a newspaper. It's still expensive. It's eight nights. I don't have a car. I basically stay in my room for a week. It, I kind of lost my mind a little bit. So I, I wasn't really kicking it in Miami a lot. I went out a little bit, but there would be intermittent shuttles and you would do like daily uh, media stuff. And um, first it starts with this huge media day where like every sports writer in America is there. It's overwhelming. But so what, basically you, you interview these athletes for a week. You see them every day and nothing's happening. So it's not like you're asking them about, well, what was practice like today? What was, you know, it's just like the same thing. So it's like, you're not really covering a sporting event. You're covering the circus. And the questions get bizarre because there's nothing to talk about. And you see him multiple times a week, every day. So you, if you get like these like Howard Stern types, like people, uh, shock jock radio guys who aren't sports people asking right. like really weird questions. Because it's like the event to be at, right? Yeah, so it's, it's just a weird event. So it just kind of feels like you're at the lead up to the Grammys for a week. And it's, I, it's not fun. It's mm-hmm. really not fun. 
uh, all I remember was COVID had just broken out in Asia. And yeah. we knew it was going to hit America soon, but it hadn't hit yet. And everyone was reading about it in February, but Kobe had just died too. Right. And that was, that, was just, the weekend before. Right. Yeah. So every question was about Kobe. And in retrospect, like, wow, really great journalism, guys. Like, we needed to get every single player's reaction to Kobe Bryant's death 800 times and not ask mm-hmm. one question about, hey, are you worried about this pandemic that's about to hit? Or you thought about it? Yeah. It's like, wow, we really didn't do a very good job. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a ridiculous event, I got to say. That's, that's, in, that's interesting. I was like, I thought, I mean, like people always glamorize it, right? Like Super Bowl Media Week, like everyone's there. Like it's, you know, but I guess from like your point of view, it's like taxing. You're probably sitting there for hours, just like listening to- From a fan's questions. perspective, it's cool because it feels yeah. like the whole world's there and it's like the Grammys or NBA right. All-Star Weekend or a Tyson fight or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like a crowd. But to actually do journalism, like you can't ask your questions. You have to wait. You have to shout. It's so it's it's yeah. um, it feels like man, like I made it this far in journalism to be subjected <laughs> to this kind of dehumanized behavior. Yeah. Like ah, oh, god. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that makes sense. I I totally get it. It's hard to describe, and I know like fans who don't have a press pass are like, hey, boo hoo, let me try. It's like, yeah, hey man, I hear you, man. I feel you. I wish you could get in there and experience it for yourself because you'd be like, ew, this is not what I had in <laughs> mind. So, uh, ew, yeah. it's not what I actually wanted. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you real quick, like what are some of like the more moving sports memories that you've gotten to experience in your 10 years of covering just Bay Area sports in general? It doesn't have to be the Niners. It can be the Warriors, the Giants. Like what are some moments that you were like, wow, like I'm going to remember that and I'm going to tell my kids about that? Man, you hit me with these really serious, hard questions <laughs> off the most moving moments I've had. Or like just cool sports moments. Cool sports moments. I don't mean to be deep, but yeah, cool sports moments. <laughs> um, okay, I have one off the top of my head and it's not the most cool and it's not the deepest, but it's one I've been thinking about recently because Frank Gore's career might be over. And he was a great 49er. And mm-hmm. I was at, I, I didn't go to the Super Bowl that year, but I was in Atlanta when they won the NFC Championship game. Uh, and everyone thought they were about to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, they were going to go to the Super Bowl. Everyone thought they were going to win. And it seemed like, anyway, Frank Gore had a great game. He had two touchdowns late. He was a big reason they won. And I'd covered him for two seasons at that point, And he was very standoffish. He kind of had this personality where he was like a tough guy. Uh, and he would kind of frown. And he was cool. Like, he was a character. Um, and he gave good quotes and stuff. But he kind of, like, didn't want to be too open. You know, he was just, he was a tough guy. He's a a strong, silent type, strong, silent type. Mm -hmm. And I respected that. But after this game, um, waiting in Atlanta in the post-game press conference, and I was like five, 10 feet from him, right? He was right there. I could see him right now. He must've been 29, 28. And he was so happy. He was smiling so much and he just wanted to talk. All of a sudden, it's like, you don't hate us. Like you just have a little personality, a little shtick that you do as a professional athlete. It's how you interact with the media. It's your way of being professional. And now like, it's all gone. And now you're just this really happy, almost childlike person that I'd never met. And I'd never forget how happy he was. And from his perspective, it was the best day of his life. And he was going to be a champion. It was it. Was it. Like he was gonna, he made it. He was finally, all those awful years on the Niners, right. he was gonna be a champion. It was two weeks away. 
And he didn't know that he wasn't going to be a champion. He didn't have the knowledge that we have now that it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. So it was kind of, um, you know, there was some dramatic irony, there's some tragedy there. But at that moment, that was the closest he ever felt and looked like a champion of the world. Champion 100%. Frank. I mean, because he was on some of the worst Niner teams. Like, he was on horrible, horrible Niner teams. From Singletary, who got fired coaching high school, to, like, Mike Nolan, who, well, you know, I have a forever grudge on Mike Nolan. And it's just like, I mean, it, it, the emotion he must have probably felt in that moment is just like, wow, like I worked and finally like my dreams are coming true. So it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. A grown man who, I mean, he was much old. He was, I was 24. He was probably 29. Yeah. And I watched him in high school. I watched him. I watched him in middle school when he was at Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, I was like, Oh my God. It's, I was really intimidated by Frank Gold. Like, <laughs> Uh, just, but to see him like all of us like let his guard down and be this, I don't know, whatever he might've been when he was 12, mm-hmm. that, that time, it was like, wow, it's yeah. so cool. I always remember that. For sure. That's, that's a really good one, actually. I, I mean, that's just like a journalist athlete moment right there. Um, give me your honest review on the 49er fan base. Like, how do you feel about us? Like what's, what's your general thought on the Niner faithful? Like give, be honest. I think I like the Niner faithful. Uh, the Niner faithful has embraced me. They, uh, they seem to have a sense of humor. I mean, I'm very negative, not negative, but I criticize their favorite team all the time. And I do it with glee. And I don't think any other fan base would allow a Pete Ryder to talk like that about their team. I mean, I think most, like the, like they wouldn't know, like, get the hell out of here, go cover some other team. And I think that's basically how Niner fans reacted to me for about eight years. But finally, they're like, you know what? I kind of like this guy. Say what you want to say. Take your shots on my team. It's cool. Mm-hmm. So I think that the Niner fans are actually pretty pretty smart. And yeah. they have a sense of humor. Yeah. I feel, I don't know, like when I first started watching you, I just thought you were way, way more negative. And like now you feel a lot more like nuanced. Like I feel like. That's probably you, true. You come probably- on shows and you're like, okay, here's the bad. But there's also some good. Like yeah, before, you used to right. just be like, blah, blah, blah. The J- Jed York sucks. Parag Marate screwing over contracts. Like, this is the worst franchise ever. Like, that's true. Yeah. Well, you got to remember, when they went from firing Harbaugh for no reason to hiring Tom Sula yeah. to hiring Chip Kelly, I oh, almost felt best. like you couldn't be strong enough. And then when sure. Kyle and, and John got here, we wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I think I was kind of stuck. Like, I was like in that groove of like, nah, man, like you got to show something. And when, when they lost – when they started one in 10 and then the second year when they were losing, when they had CJ Beathard out there again, I was like, I've seen enough. Yeah. I've seen enough. <laughs> but you okay. know what? I got married last year and that kind of mellowed me out a little bit. And then the Niners got Congratulations. Good. Thanks. Another thing is like, I got to know Kyle. I got to know the thing, like if you, here's the thing. If the coaches last long enough, you get to know them and you do business. When Harbaugh got here first, I was pretty tough on him and I was wrong. And then by year three, I knew him very well. And I felt like I was friends with him, but I could at least see things from his perspective too. And we could do business. Same thing with Kyle and Robert Sala by year three, I knew them both. So it's not like, I don't have any personal grudge against him. I'm not trying to run him out of town. So it's like, maybe, maybe, yeah. It's just the fact that maybe if Jim Tom Sula had lasted four years, yeah. I would have been a little more nuanced with him, but maybe. he didn't deserve but, it. I mean, also Tom Sula was like letting players go on social media during like practices. I was it's like, a joke. I'm sorry. Like, it's yeah. a joke. No, I agree. 
Um, like the so, bad, the bad, yeah. the bad uh, substitute teacher. Like, okay, if I, <laughs> if I give you no homework, if I let you look at the at your phones all day, will you respect me? No. no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Five and eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So now we'll get into more of like the specific athletes and like I, or like more of the specific 49ers that I wanted to talk to you about. Um. So I feel like one person that's just utterly like everyone is confused by like he's just a fat question mark and that's Jimmy Garoppolo, right? I feel like he's a su- he might be like a super interesting person to cover because like he kind of has this mystique around him. He came in, you know, the team was one in 10. They were horrible. He wins five straight games and then he gets injured and then he kind of like dips from the team for a little bit. And there's like reports that he's with Mike Shanahan and they're just like going through film. And everyone's expecting the breakout year. So like, what has it been like, like covering j- the jigsaw puzzle, Jimmy, uh, throughout these years? He's, he's kind of a, he's kind of like a little bit of an enigma. He's a little bit of like a, here's how I describe Jimmy. Like he'll be standing in his locker. You can go up to him and you can talk to him. He'll finish a group press conference. He'll be walking out. You can go walk over to him and be like, Hey Jimmy, do you have a minute? I have a few more questions. And he'll give you a minute. He's very generous in that way. He's very down to earth in that way. Problem is, when you get him alone and you ask him questions, there's nothing there. I mean, there's just nothing there. He's, and I don't know if it's by design. I don't know if that's just, you know, how he's being professional is saying nothing. Maybe they taught him that in New England, or maybe there's just nothing there. I don't know, but he's got nothing to say. The dude has nothing to say. So what I, I, my, I call him Derek Zoolander. Very, very good looking guy. It's just nothing going on. And so, I mean, what's the point? Of, of going over to him at the lock at his locker and asking, what's the point, you know? And when he, and when you ask him questions in his group, pre, in his group press conference, I mean, like, do you learn anything about anything? He says, it's not like he doesn't, he's not rude. He's not confrontational. He, he listens and he gives you about, you know, two, three, four sentences. And then he gives that little smile and nod to say, you know, you know, and he rolls up the sleeve. I'm done. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he's he like, didn't say anything. Honestly, we just got to work harder. And I'm like, thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk- mean, but he, yeah. he does seem to be like a nice guy. Everyone likes Absolutely. him. I'm, I'm just like, what's it like covering Jimmy? Kind of. Eh? I just gave up. <laughs> I just gave up. Yeah. So talk to the people about your dog, your best friend, the legend himself, George Kittle. He's, he's the opposite of Jimmy. I mean, he's, yeah. the, he's every journalist's dream. He has fun with it. Jimmy's like trying to be as boring as possible. Like, how can I get these journalists to stop listening and stop paying attention. Kittle is like, engage with me. Like, let's not go through the, the, the motions. Stop asking me the usual questions. Like, let's make this fun because it's boring. You know, like, let's make this, f- I love that about George Kittle. I wish every For player sure. could actually have as much fun with it as he does. Yeah. Um, like, I know you guys have obviously like developed like a friendship and I've like heard about like all your stories with George Kittle, like how he yelled at you from his car. And like how he like we're I not thought- friends. I, he might not even like me. We just yeah. have this like fun back and forth, which I, think I just he likes you. He might, yeah. Or you know, he's from the Midwest. Those people are very nice, man. I feel like if they don't like you, they they would say it in a nice way. You yeah. just don't. But I know I think he might like me. But again, he could. He has fun with all these. Uh, he has fun with everyone. Mm-hmm. It's too bad that other athletes are either like afraid or disinterested. They don't want to do it. It would make Absolutely. the whole, I think it would make the fan experience better too, right? Yeah. I mean, you want to hear your favorite player have a personality and be an entertainer like, you know, 
Hollywood Hogan. Not mm-hmm. as boring as possible. Yeah. I like that he makes it kind of like a, a, a wrestling act. Like, why not? Yeah. That he calls you out during press conferences because your internet. Where is he? <laughs> Ask me a question. Like, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So what about Nick Bosa? Like, I know a lot of, like, stuff came up, like, pre-draft about, like, his very controversial social media history. And he all blocked that. me on social media. He blocked he me did. on Twitter before he got drafted. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, he like liked a bunch of like, you know, like yeah, 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 your yeah. tweets. I'm sure you heard. Right. Yes, what was yes, he, yes. what's he been like to cover? I know he's probably blocked you, but what's, what's he been like? To yeah. Cover? He blocked me on Twitter, but actually he's one of my favorite. He's one of my, he's one of my, here's the way I put it. He was gone this year. So he, I didn't talk to him this year. Right. And I've never talked to him one-on-one and I don't really want to. <laughs> His rookie year, after losses, and they only lost four times, he was always the best quote after a loss. Because after a loss, there's usually like a narrative that the coach lays out, here's why we lost. We didn't execute. Or here's why we lost. Whatever. There's this reason. And all the players listen, and they paired it to, and that's everyone's on the same page. Not Nick. Nick Bosa says whatever he wants to say. And he's got his own take. And if the Niners don't like it, what are they going to do about it? He's a very smart guy. He's very perceptive. And he talks with, in a whisper. So he's not, he's not like a big look at me guy. But if the Niners lose and you want to know why, you go to Nick. Nick, what happened today? So I remember, I'll never forget, they lost to the Falcons in 2019, late in the season. It was like Right, the, right. The Julio Falcons. Jones last night. Yeah, like the Falcons there. weren't going anywhere. Yeah. The Niners were at home and they lost. And it was so clear that they were flat. Like it just had no spark the entire – they were flat. So after the game, we asked Kyle Shanahan, were you guys flat? And that's an indictment of the coach more than anything because it's the coach's job to get the players up to play. No, absolutely not. We just didn't execute today. So I did my job. They didn't do their job. And the players hear that. I'm like, okay, well, it's, he's throwing us under the bus. Um, but he's the coach. I'm the player. I'm going to say we didn't execute. We were not flat. Right. Hey, Nick, Kyle said you guys – weren't it's it, it, Kyle said it wasn't that you guys were flat it's that you guys just didn't execute he goes oh no we were flat we were extreme. anyone could see that we were flat it's like god love you thank you Nick <laughs> gotta know who like who to go to win you know who's right. the guy I go to after the loss who's the guy I go to after the win like I don't want to hear what Nick Bosa has to say after mm-hmm. the win. I want to know what he has to say after the loss nice okay yeah. so now we'll get into like I'll just do this real quick because I know you have to go we'll do like the specific 49er questions more so like the technical stuff that you do in your videos and sure. stuff like that so these are just the questions that I've like compiled from people that like they want to hear from you and they want to you know hear what you have sure. to say so what do you think honestly right now like what is it it's January uh what do you think the future with Deshaun Watson is and do you think his future is coming to Santa Clara or do you think it's coming, going somewhere else or staying in Houston? He says he said, the report is he wants to play for Miami. That's the only report I've heard. The report is he doesn't want to play in Houston. Richard Sherman says he should want to play for the jets. I haven't heard. I think he liked the. I think he liked the tweet though, but yeah. that doesn't, that's, that doesn't mean anything. A like is, is not, I like lots of things. Uh, so the, I, I'm guessing he's going to be on the Dolphins, but I think the Jets have an opportunity to make a case. I think the Texans would rather send him to the Jets than the Dolphins because the Jets have the number two pick and the Dolphins have the number three pick. But um, it's all about what Watson wants to do. And hold on, one more thing though. Let me. I'm just talking out loud here. Yeah, go for it. But all I see from Watson is a bunch of whining. 
True. And I'm not, look, I'm not trying to say that he's not justified. He might be in a terrible organization. He might need to get out of there. But I haven't seen him request a trade yet. I haven't heard that he's gone to ownership and say, I've made up my mind. I want out. Kindly trade me. All I've seen is him whine on social media. I'm unhappy. My anger was a two and now it's a 10. What are you saying, dude? Do you want out or do you want in? Like make up your mind. So it's possible he won't even leave. He hasn't even said he wants it. He hasn't requested the trade yet. Plenty right. of football players have requested a trade. It's nothing, there's nothing unprofessional about that. Eli Manning did it before he even got in the league. Do it. But the whole like, you know, like that's what that's what he's like, that's what kids do, man. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. yeah. No, I get that 100%. Yeah. Okay. So I think like my take with the whole quarterback controversy and stuff like that is just like, honestly, it doesn't depend on us. At the end of the day, Kyle Shanahan's call, he does whatever he says, that organization will do. John Lynch is just his kind of like enabler that gets stuff done. And, you know, whatever Kyle Shanahan wants, John Lynch will go get it done. So which quarterback in the draft, and I'm talking like particularly like, Eh, it could be anyone, actually. Which quarterback in the draft do you think Kyle Shanahan will absolutely fall in love with? Just straight up, honest. That's funny. I think a lot of people think it's going to be Mac Jones. Okay. Everyone looks at Mac Jones from Alabama. It's like, man, that's exactly what Kyle wants. You know, he's in the similar kind of offense. He does play action. He throws down field. I disagree with that. I think he's going to look at Mac Jones and be like, that – what they do for Mac Jones is what I do for Jimmy. He is a product of his supporting cast and his scheme uh, and a great offensive line that I don't have. That If I bring in Mac Jones, I just bring in a lesser version of Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's going to be totally dependent on the receivers he has, the offensive line he has, and my game planning, play calling that day. I don't think he looks at Mac Jones as a guy who's going to I don't think he's going to like him. I, mm-hmm. I keep coming back to the same guy, and people think I'm crazy. Uh, he's going to kill it at the Senior Bowl coming up. But look, this guy, Is Kyle Trask. Trask. Oh, Trask. Trash. Kyle Trask. <laughs> I know everyone hates him, and I don't understand why. I don't, I don't hate him. I'm just like, you have said that name. I've said his name too much. Times. I know, right? But you asked the question, so let me make yeah, a case in for 20 it. seconds. Um, everyone likes Mac Jones, and they're like, yeah, he doesn't have the strongest arm, but I like him. He's – well – Kyle, same thing, man. Kyle Trask doesn't have the strongest arm either. He's not the most mobile guy either. But why, what's the difference between Mac Jones and Kyle Trask? What's the difference between these two guys? Because they're both pocket quarterbacks who have, you know, decent arm strength. Kyle didn't have One guy played at Alabama. One guy <laughs> didn't, man. Like, yeah. when, when Mac Jones goes from Alabama to the 49ers or wherever he goes, his job's going to get so much harder because the disparity between your, his team and the opponent – is going to be way different than what it was at Alabama. It's going to be like even in the NFL or worse. Whereas Alabama, you're an all-star team. Uh, at Florida, he was on a good team. Like he had, he had good receivers. His defense was non-existent. His run game was non-existent. He, he was, the whole team was a passing offense. From Kyle's perspective, I see that this quarterback can succeed in the toughest conference under the toughest conditions. No run game. Just drop back and throw. No play action. Just drop back and throw. No, no disguise. Um, put him on my team. I give him a run game. You know, I give him Kittle. I give him Debo. All of a sudden, the defense has to honor the pass and the run when Kyle 
Trask is on the field, he's, his job is actually going to get easier on the 49ers. He's going to, oh, my God, I can hand the ball off. Yeah. Oh, my God, I can do play action and guys are wide open. I don't have to just throw tight window throws to, to my Wow, we can receiver. run jet sweeps, right? Like, all I'm saying, yeah. all I'm saying. So I think Kyle looks at a guy like Trask and be like, man, like he's just dropping back and doing well. I can make his job easier. And the fact that he's not, he's not mobile, I don't care. Like, I want a guy who stays in the pocket anyway. Mm-hmm. That's just what I think Kyle's going to say. That's, that's, that's fair. I mean, so it's I'm like, making my case. Maybe I'm yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, we'll it's see. more information we get, the more of an educated opinion we're going to get to have, right? Right. So, right. Uh, last couple questions. So, my second to last one is, what was, who was your favorite 49er to cover on this team in 2020? Like, I know it was, a, you know, kind of a lost season, 6-10, and 10, injuries early. But, like, who was the highlight, like, you think just – like in terms of to interact with and just like was a cool athlete. Hold on, hold on. Oh, it's Kittle by a mile, but I'm trying to think of someone mm-hmm. else. Um. Well, God, I always love covering Nick Mullins <laughs> because um, he gives great answers. He's very, very smart. He's actually a quarterback you like to like. I want to know what he thinks. Whether or not he's a starting quarterback in the NFL, he's a very smart guy who actually has things to say. So I liked asking him questions, and I liked the fact that his grandfather was still yeah. is in all of the periscopes and interacting. And it's almost felt like, you know, like there was a communication. It's like Larry's saying, this is what Nick wants. Tell Kyle through your video, you know, like I'm telling Larry, this is what's going to work. Like, I don't know. It's felt like a, le- a level of interaction. I like that with Nick Mullins. Um, who else? I don't know. Really like Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward is been on the team forever. He's almost he's got a lot of personality. He's got so much personality yeah. and he's never really been able to show it because no one, he's never at the podium, you know, he's never, but now he's a leader of the team. He's a good player and he gets to show it. And it's great that people get to know who he is. That's awesome. And my last question. So, to all those young Grant Cones out there, the future Grant Cones, what, what's some advice that you would give to them, to the future sports journalists who want to write columns or do YouTube and, you know, that type of stuff? Like, what, what's your advice to them? Don't kiss ass. Be independent. You know, like, if you get a, an internship and you're on a beat, don't be the dude who brings donuts. Don't be the dude who's trying to make his way up the, the – the, uh, the, the totem pole by kissing the next dude's ass. Cause there's a lot of dudes like that out there. And what you end up doing is being, you know, like a slave to some newspaper or a slave to the team you cover. You want to be, if you're trying to be like me, and I'm not saying that's the thing to be like, but if you're trying to be like my pops or like me, you're trying to be independent. You're trying to keep it real because you want people to listen to you and be like, this guy's not, this guy's not BSing me. He's not. This isn't the team spin. It's not some player spin. It's exactly what he believes. And I'm not going to agree with him all the time, but it's definitely what he believes. He's definitely authentic and he's definitely independent. He's not, you know, (laughs) working for the team secretly. You know, he's not partners with the team secretly. And I think that's, if you can do that, you can make it, you know, people, people listen to you. Also, I think it, also do your homework, you know, don't just be satisfied with a surface level understanding of your sport. Uh, Everyone wants, uh, everyone wants sources that'll help you break news, cultivate some sources that'll help you learn the game, learn some coaches who will talk to you on the phone, ask them questions. 
I think if you do that, people will really want to know what you have to say. Even if you're wrong sometimes, yeah. which I never am. <laughs> we can, uh, we can debate that for a whole other podcast. <laughs> that can be the essential question of the next episode. Just, Is Greg Cohn wrong? Snorted at me. <laughs> Thanks Grant. <laughs> no, but for real, uh, Grant, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. Um, you know, you're one of the people I definitely do look up to. So it was, it's been an absolute pleasure to get to talk to you for, you know, what is it about an hour now? So that's been well, Thanks so much for having me. I'm really sorry. Of it course. took like, what was it? Six months to work this out. It's I'm okay. Really sorry. It's okay. I'm glad we did it, dude. I'm really glad. Cause this yeah. was terrific. Your questions were great. You were super prepared. And that backdrop, can I just say that backdrop? Really? really Which, what do you like about it? Tell me. Uh, I just like the, I like the positioning. I like that there's all different sizes that they're, they're all kind of off. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you got a little one last thing I got to show you. Okay. I sure. got, a, I got a poster of your dog that I haven't. Hung oh, up that's nice. Georgie is right up here. Wow. And I had my, yeah. And I was going to wear my uh, Garoppolo jersey, but it was in the laundry, you know, so oh, it's okay. Mustard stains or something. You should probably tr sell that while you can get through. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what my brother told me. He's like, please yeah, yeah. sell that. It's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know what? But I'm, I'm a Garoppaholic. As they <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much, Grant. It was there are support much groups for that. There are support groups for that. There are support groups for the Garoppaholics. I, yeah. I think I need to join one. But thank you, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Have a good yeah. one. You too. Again, uh, I hope the conversation with Grant was as awesome as I hyped it up to be. Um, and you all enjoyed his insights into the journalism world, but also you looked and saw the perspective of a journalist covering a couple of great franchises over the last decade. If you guys like a lot of the sports related content, definitely let me know. I'll be happy to make more of it as I'm someone who is the biggest Bay Area sports fan out there. So making this content is an absolute pleasure. Make sure to absolutely obliterate the like button, by the way, and subscribe to the channel for more content as well. Hit that notification bell too. I just realized if you do hit the bell, you get notified earlier than if you don't have that on. So definitely go ahead and have your notification bells on YouTube. If you're on Spotify, go ahead and absolutely destroy the follow button. Make sure we get this community bigger and bigger and make sure we get everyone asking all sorts of essential questions. Haha, <laughs> get it? Uh, never mind. Uh, also, feel free to hit me up on my social media, on Instagram, at Essential Question Podcast, on Twitter. I've been posting a lot more on Twitter, so definitely go hit me up there, at EssentialQU1. And email me if you hate all sorts of social media and you want to send me some, you know, a message or whatever. Uh, my email is EssentialQuestionPodcast at gmail.com. So hit everything up. Let me know what you guys thought. But really, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And this was a super special episode for me. Uh, I wanted to do this one for a really long time. So I can only hope that you guys got out of it as much as I did. Um, yeah. Anyway, have a great day or whatever time of day it is when you're listening to this. Have a great morning, evening, afternoon. And I'll see you next episode. Peace.